Welcome to the Fountain City Church Breakdown, a midweek conversation where we dig into the weekend's message with more depth and real-life stories. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Fountain City Church Midweek Breakdown. Uh, Christy and I wanted to take a moment today and just uh, record a little bit of extra audio from this past weekend in response to what we discussed. Um, We were talking about some pretty big subjects, and so we we just wanted to take a little time and like hash that out some more. So, uh, Christy? Hello, everybody. You look beautiful today. Thank you. I tried today. <laughs> Actually, I didn't put on jeans today, but I did put on a little bit of makeup. Ooh, a little feeling, bit of makeup. Feeling fancy. <laughs> so what we want to do today, we want to kind of like give a quick recap of everything that we spoke about this past weekend. Um, and so we talked about the subject of what suffering produces and suffering is a pretty intense word but you know that's kind of like the suitcase word for just hardship and difficulty or trials and testing Um, and through coronavirus and COVID-19 one of the things that we're coming to um, is the fact that we are becoming someone through the process of what's going on right now Um, and this has varying levels of difficulty for people you got to think about like folks in our community who have no homes um, all the way to those who are you know, living in, you know, mansions in our community. Um, This really is having a very different impact, but all of us are undergoing some level of stress or anxiety or limitation through the process. And so what we want to do is we want to explore what it is that happens in these moments of difficulty and how we can be a part of what it is that God wants us to glean from these seasons, Um, even those that really we don't believe are derived from him, but somehow they're still upon us. And so um, this past weekend, Chrissy shared out of James chapter 1, and I shared out of James, uh, Romans 5. And so, Chris, can you give just like a snippet of what James 1 says? Yeah, um, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Yeah, and so in uh, Romans 5 says this, it says, Let us also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. Uh, and so in both of these passages, there's this like common theme of suffering and trials and hardship and um, we felt like it was really important, I think, because of our culture, because of how we are hardwired um, as Americans to kind of run from pain, run from hardship, that it's important for us to have um, a good theological perspective on how God treats hardship in our lives and how we view it as Christ followers versus just the world around us. Um, and so, Chrissy, what do you feel like Um, is important for people to grab a hold of. Why is this so important for you to share with people from this past weekend how hardship forms us? Well, um, there's a lot of like personal touches to our story, I feel like, that kind of bleed into this and why it's important to me from a personal standpoint. Yeah. But as believers, this is an actual like a hope anthem, in my opinion, is like, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about trials and hardships, people um, 
can either grow cynical towards that or they can turn a deaf ear toward that. But honestly, I think it is absolutely pivotal for our faith because hardships come for all of us. Um, Trials come for all of us. And I think that who we, how we handle those trials, which let me just say, like, is not usually great for all of us. I mean, you know, don't, don't misread us um, in anything that we say and, and, and and take away from what we're saying by, by believing we have to handle things with perfection or we have to handle things just so, um, and worked out to a formula so that that way we can become mature. I, there's just so much grace within this. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, for me personally, I think that this is pivotal to who we're becoming in Christ. Um, because again, when hardships do come for all of us, we want to make sure that not only do we go through them completely, but we want to do it well so that we be- can become mature um, men and women and Christ followers. And um, yeah, so I just really felt like this was a verse that God had been laying on my heart pretty heavily during this time when I started thinking about um, what people were facing um, I just felt like everybody's facing probably some kind of trial right now, some type of hardship. Um, And there is hope to be found in that. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel is like there's hope when we face trials. Um, And so how and so the questions that I was asking myself and the questions that I was asking on behalf of our community was, God, how do we do this well? How do we go through this time well? when we don't know what this is going to look like when we come out of it and we go back to life, life is probably not going to look normal. So how do we do this? Well, what would you have us to receive? What would you have us to see and absorb during this time? And I really felt like he took me to James one. And so I was just doing my best to kind of break that down in my own personal life. And then I began to share it with people in our community and then you and I started to bounce off yeah. one another. Yeah. What What does that look like for you personally? Because we're talking about this, and it's I, I have a feeling that for most people listening, they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, but when you're going through hardship and trial and suffering, like in this in the past four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you give a real world example of like something that it feels like suffering, or this thing feels like a trial, and how you're responding to it, and how you do that in partnership with the Lord? just for the past four weeks? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, it, it could be before that as well. I think a lot of this, for the past four weeks, you know, for me personally, it has looked for on behalf of other people that we are serving and shepherding right now for our community and for our neighbors and for people, um, not just in our community, but also outside of our community. Um, and so really this word, I felt like not only was it for me and these questions were for myself, but it was also mostly for people in our community. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that this has proven to be a gift and a hope for me in past seasons that I feel like has afforded me um, the space to somewhat be able to talk about some of this with a level of depth, just because we've gone through Mm-hmm. a lot of hardships and trials. And as someone who is notorious for wanting to get out of hard and difficult situations some way, somehow, um, mm-hmm. I hate pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Grant will tell you. Um, I have reaped 
the benefit of what James is getting at and Paul is getting at in Romans is this hope on the other side of that wall, this, um, this level of maturity. It, and I have to tell you, like coming from my background and how I was raised and, you know, my lifestyle before coming to know Christ and being that baby, immature Christian, even after I came to know the Lord, just working out my faith and figuring out who Jesus was and figuring out what life looked like in light of suffering and what and difficulties um, and my belief system, you know, in the midst of all that, um, I had to kind of figure out like what immaturity looked like or shallow faith looked like versus Mm -hmm. a deeper, more robust faith. And that is really what I wanted. I wanted to be that person that didn't falter every time hardship came Mm -hmm. because it caused issues, not only for me, but for us and our marriage, it caused issues for my kids. Um, and I just, you know, I wanted to be that robust Christian who, you know, when hardship came, I didn't, I didn't falter and fall every single time. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just, it it may be helpful. Like I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, it may be helpful if we kind of tried to define that. Yeah. Um, what is mature faith in terms of what we're talking about versus shallow faith, because mm-hmm. in my mind, the way that I'm conceptualizing what you're saying is that mature faith is a faith that is rooted mm-hmm. in the goodness of God and our identities in Christ and all the promises that he has spoken and who he has said he is, regardless if I'm having a really good day or a really bad day, regardless of if, if uh, the family member dies or lives, regardless of what catastrophe can come in life, that my, f- my faith is rooted in um, this reality of who God is. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, or would you tweak that? It is, and I like think... that's mature faith. I think that is mature faith, and I think that shallow faith is fine, you know, when things are going well. Mm-hmm. But when hardship comes, when trial comes, and we see this all the time, not yeah. just have, we haven't just experienced this personally, but being ministers, we see this with people that we lead is um, when hardship comes, um, that faith that if they were, if their faith was not rooted in the confidence of Christ mm-hmm. and not in, in and of their circumstances, then it will sweep them. You know, um, so it will, it just has this tendency of taking our faith, um, and completely uprooting it. And so we see this often. And so I think, yeah, I think there is this confidence that has to reside in not in, in something other than our circumstances because Mm -hmm. our circumstances shift and change. And so that, that mature faith, um, looks like our confidence is in Christ and, our trust is in him, not in our circumstances and yeah. not in one another, Yeah, you know, either. And so, right. um, some of the greatest lessons where my faith has personally been impacted most has come from just, um, situations with other Christ followers with, you know, relational dynamics and conflict and, um, and also, you know, just stuff that we've encountered in our marriage and, Um, so that has produced a lot of testing 
in my faith personally. But um, yeah. hopefully that answers your question a little bit. But Yeah, I just think it's helpful for people because um, what we're saying with mature and immature faith is not that um, you're so deeply rooted in Christ that bad things don't happen yeah. or that hardship doesn't come. It's that you have grown a, a root system mm-hmm. around the reality of, of who God is and who you are in Christ and the reality of trusting and depending on the Spirit, um, that no matter what comes, you stay rooted and founded. And um, I, I just want to echo what Chrissy was saying. Like, we've, for years, watched people who, um, they have these incredible mountaintop experiences, or these these moments where they have these deep revelations of God's love and His care and His grace for them. Um, but then mom and dad get a divorce or um, or their own sinfulness, really, uh, gets in the way, you know, or, you know, they kind of slide back into some, some old way of living. Um, and suddenly the person who gets put on trial is not the world around them. It's not spiritual darkness. It's not even their own sin. It's God, you know, like the quickest thing that we jump to oftentimes is, um, God must not be real or he doesn't love me or, you know, we very quickly put God on this, on trial and his character on trial. Um, when bad things happen to us, because I think somehow in our minds, we made this, this mental exchange that when we started to make decisions, uh, to give our lives to Christ and to, to make decisions that would follow in his way, uh, this, that we thought that that meant that we got a pass, uh, on hardship. And then when we realized that that's not true, hardship still comes, you know, like every, every prophet, (laughs) like most of the prophets are murdered. Um, every apostle is killed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not a glowing example all the time of what our expectation is. And that's not, that doesn't mean like we need to have some kind of morose, morbid view of like what it means to follow Christ. Not at all. I, like, I haven't experienced incredible hardship, I don't feel like, in my life. Um, but when those things do come, the way that I navigate that makes it incredibly important. Um, I remember years back we had a friend who was killed in our city. Um, and, uh, I remember our pastor coming and he was, I was talking to him, um, after this, uh, horrific incident. And he said, it is a very different experience being with people who are going through trauma and sorrow and hardship who know the Lord and those who don't. And he said, you can very quickly sense the difference in someone's um, identity and if they're rooted in Christ or rooted in this world based a lot of times on how they respond to this kind of hardship. Uh, and it was just kind of formational for me to realize that I'm called into this, into this place of depth. That doesn't mean we don't lament. That doesn't mean we don't grieve, but it means that even in that lamenting and grief, like we are deeply rooted in the security that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, and in who God has called us to be, and that somehow even through the pain, you know, that he's doing something. He's renovating He's renovating parts of my heart that couldn't be renovated otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, what do you think? Do you have anything to add to that? No, I, I think the only thing that I was thinking about as you were talking is, you know, we have this, you know, privilege of walking, of being ministers um, and walking with people through trials and hardships and, I can't imagine us doing anything else. It's such a privilege and such an honor for us to be able to do that. But one thing that we also get to kind of put eyes on is that our culture does have 
um, a tendency of having like the shallow faith, mm. right? Yeah. And so when hardship does come, that shallow faith kind of gets tossed out the window. And now it's like where the rubber hits the road. Like, do I believe in who Christ is? And what does this look like for me now? Um, What does trust look like for me now? This is going to look a lot different. How I wake up tomorrow, how I engage with my spouse, how I engage with my enemy, how I raise my kids. Everything just kind, kind of begins to shift. And the beautiful thing about hardship and trials and why I think it's so valuable is that it gives us a new lens. Hmm. Right. It provides us with a brand new way of seeing our faith, with seeing ourselves, with seeing the Lord. It grows our relationships. One thing I talked about um, in the message the other day was that the hardest parts of my life have been when the soil of my life was most fertile, meaning it's where my prayer life grew. It's where I grew as a mom. My love for people grew, including people that did not, that were not kind to me or didn't like me very much. It grew for my community. It grew. And here's the thing about shallow faith. When it becomes mature, then we give mature answers for other people who are going through trials. When our faith is shallow, we give shallow answers. Just cliches. Cliches. Cliches, right? Like, well, you know. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. That's why your child died. Or, you know, whatever it may be. Which if you're listening and like you're not a part of our church and you're just kind of listening in, we do believe that that stuff is like we put cliche answers on things and most of the time they're wrong, you know? Uh, Like God's in it. God purposes everything sometimes we have theological background answers that are kind of twisted up because we really just don't want to walk through pain with people. Um, And so, sorry. No, um, you know, I think, you know, we talked about in the message the other day how hardships provide us with opportunities and invitations. I just really feel like this is so important because it has been through hardship and difficulties where just my who I was as a woman grew. Guys, I'm not just talking about my faith in Christ. That grew as well. But like, I, I just feel like I grew up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, things that once mattered didn't matter as much anymore. Um, me getting my way didn't matter as much anymore. Um, me needing for somebody to approve or love me the way that I was loving them didn't matter as much anymore. So these things that um, that once mattered just weren't as important anymore. And that has been a sign that, you know, my, my faith is being tested and matured. And so we can go a hundred different directions with this, yeah. but really the, the point I'm trying to make is it gives us a new lens for life. It gives us a new way of parenting our children and and linking arms with other people, running on mission, um, being able to be there when other people go through trials of many kind as well. And when suffering comes back around in the future, um, which unfortunately on this side of heaven, we will continue to face sorrow. Um, you know, we, we, our faith has been tested. It's been put under fire. It's, yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle again because most of the time we do. We struggle. I mean, you you and I both have countless amount of stories where um, we were maturing and we were growing 
and our formation in Christ um, was expanding, um, but we were still we were still struggling. And yeah. so that that is a part of the process. It doesn't remove struggle, um, but it just begins it begins to to intensify our faith and grow it more and more. Yeah, one of the things that Christy and I really found working with young adults and just in our own lives is that you can struggle through things really well when your feet are planted on the rock. Um, And the dangerous place when it comes to like deconstructionism, you know what I mean? Like particularly for people who grew up in the South, like I actually encourage you, you need to deconstruct your faith and actually go back and ask some important questions. But your feet have to be firmly planted on the rock, which is Jesus. Um, through the the work of the cross and his resurrection. And so when you get your feet kind of locked into those non-negotiable places of like, this is what God has done. This is who he is. This is how he has reformed my life. I can ask all kinds of questions that start to reshape how I see things and how things are reframed. And I think for most of us, the really scary part um, is at times that we abandon the foundation of faith because of hardship and circumstance. But really, like if, if you're planted in those foundational things and when those hardships come, it, it makes it able to be navigated, you know. Um, and so I think that that's really important for us because we tend to allow our circumstance and experience to become our complete reality. Um, and particularly as it pertains to being a person with mature faith. Um, mature faith does not look like quick cliche answers. In fact, the further you go with the Lord and the more that you go through, it feels like maturity answers slowly. Mm-hmm. And it actually listens a lot more than it speaks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, e- Even for those of you who are listening and you lead other people, uh, maturity in faith does not mean getting people just to believe all the right things. It actually means that you make space for lament and grief and hardship and you listen and you, you do your very best to bring them back to the feet of Jesus and allow him to, to lead them. Allow the Holy Spirit to help them navigate through things. Um, I remember Paul Thomas at Evangel here in town in Columbus. He, uh, he would always just bring us back to uh, Jesus is still good and you can trust him. Like, I remember there would be people who were undergoing incredibly difficult situations, things that you just couldn't explain, you know? Like, you didn't even, you didn't want to be a leader in these situations. The loss of a a child or uh, just wild hardships, people getting sick out of nowhere. And he would always just say, you can still trust the Lord. And honestly, I feel like sometimes that is the most mature thing you can do is to sit there and cry with somebody when they're broken and weep with somebody when they're hurting uh, and continue to remind people that they can trust, they can trust God. And that's not a cliche answer. It, it just, it just helps people to see like, it's okay to, for this to suck. It's okay for this thing to not be easy and to not resolve cleanly. Um, and God is still good, but we're with you, you know, in the midst of all of this. Um, and immature faith, oftentimes it'll just rattle off answers. Yeah. And I know that because I have been very immature in my life. Same. And I love yeah. having answers. Yeah. We want to have answers for people who are who are grieving. You sure, know, we sure. do. I think um, another thing that sort of comes to mind as to why this is so important for the Christ follower is because I think that when we're able to face our trial fully, okay, when hardship comes and we're able to look it square in the eye and trust and entrust God 
and invite him into the process, we also are able to receive his will for our life. And I think that is extremely crucial to the Christ follower, to who you're becoming in Christ, Mm -hmm. is that you can, when you can open your heart up, Okay, when you are not hard-hearted, when you can soften and be tender to not only hardship, not saying you have to like your hardship, I just mean that you can just say, God, this hardship is in my life. I invite you into the process of that. Uh, again, th- you know, not to take a tangent. I'm known for tangents, um, apparently. <laughs> the queen of tangents. I love them. Um, but one thing that we talked about in the message was, the beautiful moment, okay, that when we see Jesus in the garden the night before he's executed, okay, and he's having this really beautiful, honest moment with the Lord where he says, if this cup can pass from me, let it be so. Meaning, God, will you take this cup from me? He was, um, it says that he was sweating drops of blood, because he was so anguished by, um, by the situation upon him. But then it goes on to talk about how, but he had this vision, right? He had this vision um, for us mm-hmm. that got him through the cross. Um, but he was able to absorb and invite God into the process, absorb God's will, and then God gave him vision, Okay, now most of us are not going to become executed. We're not going to be executed for our faith. Most of us are not. Mm -hmm. But there is a process where when hardship comes and we're faced with it, and it is our reality, and we can't escape it. In fact, some of us will try to numb out. Some of us will. We'll try to escape it. We'll try to ignore it. We'll try to blame somebody else or whatever, put it off on someone else, or act like it doesn't exist. And what usually happens when we do that? We continue to endure, (laughs) right? Um, And so I think, though, that when we're able to invite God into the process, we're able to see it for what it is, even if that means seeing ourselves as a part of the problem, Mm -hmm. okay, seeing a situation that we've involved ourselves in as a part of the problem, then that is when we can see God clearly. We can hear his Holy Spirit clearly Mm -hmm. because, you know, when we're able to open ourselves and receive what God has, it unclogs the junk in our lives yeah. so that we can hear God and his Holy Spirit clearly and we can receive what he has for us. And I think that this that is also a part of this mm-hmm. is we're maturing by being able to receive what he has, receive what he has for the future as well, and, um, and hear from the Holy Spirit. I remember just as you were talking, it's like I almost um, zoned out thinking about when several years back we were um, we were staked to move overseas. We were going to go move and work with a missions team. And right before we left, our daughter was diagnosed with uh, like had a provisional diagnosis of autism uh, and it changed our plans. And I remember standing in the backyard one day. I was living right behind Evangel Temple here in Columbus and we'd been on staff there for a long time. And um I was talking with the Lord and listening, and um, I felt really clearly like the Lord started talking to me and saying, hey, if you and your family move overseas right now, your family's going to take the brunt of it. Um, and he was really addressing the fact that I was had some really unhealthy practices in terms of work and family balance and the way that um, I had put my family on the back burner in ministry. And um, he said, if you 
he said, if you were going to run a race, would you run it on a gain green leg? And I remember him saying, uh, or me feeling like, Lord, no, absolutely not. And he said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Your child who has needs right now is going to, she's going to fold up under the weight of what's happening. And, um, and I need you to see that you need this kind of strength right now in your family that you can stop and you can really take care of them um, here at home. And I recognized all of a sudden that the Lord was bringing me into the season to heal me. But to be honest, it was like two and a half years of what I probably would have, I would have said that it was a kind of suffering for me, a kind of trial. But it was one of those seasons where the Lord was confronting me on some areas like you were saying. It was like he put a mirror in front of my face and said, I want to see, I want you to see yourself clearly so that I can heal you. But that healing process felt like he was ripping out all of the stuff that just couldn't stay and couldn't belong because of his his love and his affection for me. Yeah. And while I don't think that that was as dramatic a situation as many of you are going through, I do think, you know, there are seasons where the Lord will put you in front of the mirror and the first place where he wants to start forming and transforming you is going to start with you seeing yourself clearly. Yeah. And for many of us, that's the thing that we're actually the most scared of. You know, when coronavirus hit, I think it was two or three weeks in, I felt this sudden thing where the Lord was saying, this week, people are going to begin to see like the underbelly of how they actually are, you know, because all, all of our, when all of our busyness slows down, when all of our distractions kind of uh, go away, you're actually faced with the reality of who you are and how you respond to stress and how you respond to, uh, to anxiety and Um, disillusionment and insecurity. And I think for many of us, one of the things that we have tried to numb out is the mirror image of ourselves that God is holding up and he wants us to take a long look. You know, one of the the, the bronze laver in the temple, uh, it was actually covered in the mirrors of the virgin daughters of Israel. And they would actually take these mirrors and put them on this bronze laver so that when you came to make a sacrifice at the temple, you had to go and wash your hands and you would actually see yourself. You would see the reflection of yourself. And this was true of the priests. And I believe there were people, if I'm not mistaken, who would also come and they'd partake in that sacrifice, but they had to wash their hands. And the idea of the scriptures and of coming into God's presence is that you start, I don't know if this has been your experience, but sometimes I come and I have all these things that I want to talk to the Lord about when it comes to other people and how they should be acting. And nine times out of 10, I end up standing in front of the mirror yeah. by the end of the, the prayer time with the Lord, you know, yeah. of him saying, okay, let's talk about you, you know? Um, and so I think there's an invitation, you know, in this process to really see ourselves clearly. And I think that that's such a, a beautiful thing. Um, anything you want to add, babe? I, th- I couldn't agree more. I, there's so much that I want to add to that and I'm going to do my best not to go out on tangents here. well I think we're in trouble (laughs) oh my gosh okay yeah I think the issue of pain is a big one you know we we encounter a lot of people that go through pain and I think um a part of the maturity process and a part of the process it it looks like being able to face our pain for what it is um Mm -hmm. like you were saying it looks like us being able to say excuse me, you know, the pain that I, that I'm encountering right now, what do I need to see 
Um, how do I need to look at it? And I think it is a part of the process of going through hardship and trials well. I think pain has a lot to do with who we're becoming and how we handle pain, emotional fortitude. Um, yeah, there's which, like a there's data actually suggesting that if the number one cause of mental um, disease is the desire to flee from pain. So trying to get out of pain, trying to flee from the hardship that's upon you, it is the number one cause of people having mental disorders and mental diseases. Yeah. It is a barrier for you and who you're becoming in Christ. Let me just put it out there like it is. It is a barrier. If you are not willing to face your pain for what it is and the hardship in your life, it will be a barrier in your faith Mm -hmm. and who you're becoming as a man, who you're becoming as a woman. Now, we are not talking about engaging in everything with a hyper emotional, right? Like we're not talking about that, but we're just talking about being able to say, this is a consistent theme in my life or there is a pain right now in my life or a hardship or a trial and I have got to face it because it's not going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. It may, you know, digress for a season, but more than likely it's going to come back up at some point. Right. I mean, they never really, Mm -hmm. until we can face them, they typically don't, don't go away. So I think that this, it's important to what we're talking about here because it has a lot to do with your maturity. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with your intimacy with God, your intimacy with the Holy Spirit to, for him to continue to entrust things to you, um, your leadership capacity, um, all of these things, your ability to to sit with people in grief when they're mourning. Um, so all of this is connected, in my opinion, when we're talking about um, these verses, when we're talking about who we're becoming and spiritual formation and all of these big topics and questions that we're trying to deal with um, right now. And so I can't think of a better time. Quarantine, it's it's kind of like a reset. That's how I've been seeing it. It's it's the world has kind of stopped a little bit. And so I think that one thing that I've just been sensing that the Holy Spirit has been saying to me is, Chrissy, you know, where are you personally right now? And if if the rest of the world is stopping, like see it as a holy moment and an opportunity and an invitation for you and I to grow. And so, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think just for us as a community, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, um, what we want uh, for you who are part of our faith community to really grab a hold of um, is that this is a time to lean in. Um, it's not a, a time to numb out. It's not a time to escape. And if you find yourself escaping, it's part of the human condition too. Um, like maybe the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is just trying to highlight those places where you tend to try to avoid pain. And, um, you know, the Lord doesn't like to twist people's arms into maturity, but he does want to invite you uh, that if you tend towards fleeing to alcohol, fleeing to entertainment, fleeing to whatever, you know, fill in the blank, uh, then there's an invitation to something that looks deeper, uh, that looks more mature, that looks more beautiful, and well-rounded, and uh, and it's something that God actually wants for your life. You know, one of the most delightful things is that God God delights to walk with you and to grow you, and you as His beloved possession. Like He 
He wants to make sure that you're living free. And for many of us, we live really in bondage to our own emotions and whims and feelings. And in hardship, those things get stripped back and we learn a deeper, sweeter, better way to live. Um, And so I wanted to close with this. Do you have anything else you want to add before we close up? I'll let you close. I think one one thing that I thought about... um, you know, in closing is if you're listening to this right now and you're going, you know, I wonder if that's me. Like, I wonder if there are some blind spots in my life that the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit's wanting to kind of poke some holes in right now while life has kind of slowed down and stopped a little bit, or you're recognizing, you know, like many of us in quarantine where life changes a little bit and your circumstances, um, may be a little bit different right now that, um, you know, some of those fruits of the spirits (laughs) Mm -hmm. are not as, um, as they should be. And so that's also a really good way to begin kind of that, um, evaluation of where am I at actually right now? Um, am I practicing the fruit of the spirit right now in my life? Um, am I yelling at my kids more? Am I resentful and bitter, uh, you know, towards individuals, you know, or, um, do I have a lot of unforgiveness in my life and mm-hmm. is there good fruit in my life or is the fruit of my life right now? Is it not so sweet? Um, and so just getting alone with the Holy spirit and maybe even bringing in really safe people to kind of begin asking some of those questions as we talk through some of this, um, that's a good way to kind of evaluate. Yeah, I wanted to close with the end of the passage that I read this past weekend out of Romans 5. Um, you know, He goes through and he says, We know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so there's this, uh, this building, um, increased experience of when I go through suffering, it, it gives me the capacity to uh, take on heavier burdens and for it not to crush me. But that experience, when I, when I continue to increase my capacity, it builds this character in me um, where I'm the kind of person who has integrity and goodness of heart and sincerity and honesty. And those things aren't cultivated overnight just because you want them. Uh, they're cultivated in response to us learning how to go through things and to stay steady as individuals, no matter how our circumstances um, uh, come against us um, and and bring hardship to us. And so I want to encourage you to be a person of character. But it says that when we are people of character, it actually produces hope. And so I think there's this interesting transaction there because hope is hope is something that we can see at a distance. It's something that we believe so firmly to be true that it guides our hearts into the future and says that what we're experiencing in the present tense isn't going to be forever and that there is this thing coming. There is resolution to our crises in life and it's found in a person uh, and it's found in this moment. Um, And so here it says hope doesn't disappoint us. And I don't know about for you, but for, for some of us, when we start to put our hope, like Peter says, we, we aim our hope fully at the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, all of our hope is dead set on uh, Jesus coming back and giving us resurrection bodies and us being in God's presence forever. And that hope is there with him. But he says this hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Spirit. And so today... Uh, you know, wherever you're at in this process, maybe you're at the beginning and you're starting to realize that your faith is immature, that when hard things come, you tend to 
question God's existence. You tend to question whether or not your faith is actually real. Um, and God's inviting you into deeper water, and it's a place of deeper trust um, where hardship comes and you continue to stay rooted in your faith and who he's called you to be and in your faith and your, uh, your absolute reliance that he is who he says he is in, in the moments of storms, in the moments of hardship. And you know, like all throughout the scriptures, Jesus is not, he doesn't stay away from hardship or difficulty. Uh, in fact, Peter says, you know, Jesus has suffered and he has set us an example so that we can do the same. And so Jesus teaches us how to walk through the storms of life. And I love the passage of scripture where Jesus invites, uh, it's actually Peter, he's, from the, he's in the boat and they're facing a moment of trial. The, the winds are against them, the boat's being pushed back from the shore, and he says, Lord, if that's you out there, tell me to come to you. And in this moment where most of us would say, Lord, if that's you, get us to shore, Peter's got this different perspective where he says, God, if that's you in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering and the hardship, would you call me to come out to you? Because you seem to be walking on top of all of this, you know, like Jesus is walking on the waves. You seem to be overcoming this thing. And if that's you, would you teach me how to do the same thing? And I think for all of us, we want to get to the shoreline. We want to dive into the bottom of the boat and just make it to safety. And I think Peter's perspective is maybe the one that we need. Lord, in the midst of this, would you just teach us to walk with you? Teach us to walk with you in the midst of suffering and trial and hardship and make us more like you. We don't want to shrink back into old ways of thinking. And just like it says here, would you help us to understand the love that you've poured out into us through the Spirit? I pray that for you, it's the same as for me, that we would lean more into the love that has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit. And that our hope would be cemented by this experience of the love of God in our lives in the midst of whatever you're going through. Uh, obviously, COVID-19 is kind of a, an easy, tangible thing for us to talk about. But you know, for some of you, you're going through divorce. Uh, you're going through financial crisis or sickness. And uh, these things don't always go the way that we want. You know, like we believe in healing. We believe in the transformation of lives and, um, and God's ability to work miracles. But sometimes when those things don't happen, my question is, do you have the kind of faith that continues to step out and to just pursue Jesus right there in the midst of the crisis? And I really feel like that's what maturity looks like. And so uh, we want to just thank you for taking time today to listen. Um, I really believe a lot of this message is so deeply rooted in Chrissy and it's something that she and I have grown from through the years. And you can hear her wisdom and strength in that topic too. And so if there's anything we can do to support you in your journey and you're asking big questions and you're wrestling through hardship and maybe you are, like she said, discovering that there is an immaturity in your faith, um, we just believe the Lord's inviting you in deeper. And so we love you. Uh, we want to say happy, happy journeys toward Jesus, <laughs> just wherever he's leading you so that you can see his face. And we pray that you'll take the plunge and that you won't stay safe uh, in terms of just clinging to the boat but that you'll take those radical steps to being closer to where he is. And so we love you. Uh, Again, if we can do anything for you, reach out to us. But thanks for joining in. Bye, guys. (laughs) I have so much more to say, but I'm going to end it here. We love you. (laughs) Her face is so awkward right now. (laughs) I had things written down, but I love you. Oh, she cut it off for me. Maybe we'll do a, a, a take two. Sure, we'll do a take two. Bye, y'all. Bye.